Welcome to the Life Well-Lived Podcast. I'm Kayla Brandon, a holistic health coach and wellness enthusiast. I am absolutely obsessed with learning about people who live their most authentic lives. In this podcast, you'll hear stories about those who truly live a life well-lived and what they do mentally, spiritually, and physically to get there. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump into your daily dose of practical advice on pursuing a life with purpose and passion. This week, I interviewed Megan Atkinson, founder and principal designer of Megan Rose Interiors. Megan and I met in Greek life in college, and I've absolutely loved following along her personal and professional journey since we graduated. Today, she's a mother of three, an entrepreneur driven by a passion for home, and has a background in real estate. In this episode, we discuss how the pandemic led to the creation of Megan Rose Interiors in 2020, design principles you can apply in your own home, what's trending and what's on the way out, her wellness routine, work-life harmony, and so much more. Without further ado, let's get into it. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. Um, It's been a long time since we've connected. I know we went to OU together in college, Um, but I've been following your life from afar, which I feel like is kind of very, like, very on brand for millennials and and Gen Zers. We are looking at, you know, our former classmates or our friends and just seeing their lives kind of unfold. And I feel like your your life has unfolded so beautifully. And I'd love for the audience to learn more about you and, you know, what are you doing in life? What got you into interior design? The whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I am 32 and I am a young entrepreneur. So I launched my company in 2020 and I now have a small boutique design firm in Northville, Michigan. So a little bit outside of Detroit in the suburbs. And um, I married my high school sweetheart. So we have been married for coming up on nine years. And we have three young, beautiful, wild, charismatic children um, that I am just trying to raise with kindness, raise with grace. So that's a huge part of who I am. Um, And I spend a lot of time at my barcode studio. Wellness is a huge part of my life. So I feel like we align on a lot of that. That's just, that's me. Yeah. I mean, I would I can only hope to be as successful as you are one day and, you know, three kids and managing all that you do. We're going to get into some tips for balancing life as a working mom. Um, but first I kind of want to talk about your career in interior design. Tell us about how you mm-hmm. kind of got started because I know we went to school together. I think you went for communications just like me, but you soon took a different route and I feel like your life has just gone into such a cool just just such a cool path that I don't think that mm-hmm. anyone would have ever expected, but it certainly fits your your general aesthetic. Like you're very stylish. You know how to put together business plans. I feel like in sorority life, in Greek life, you were always the leader and you were always so organized. So I'm not shocked <laughs> that this is like the route that you took, but I'm just curious as to how you got there. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So yes. So I went, um, we graduated together at Oakland University and um, I graduated with a degree in communication. And my plan at the end of college was to get my real estate license. So I did a, like a little bit of a mentorship in the beginning and I went, I jumped right into real estate in 2014. I got married right, right after that time. Um, and I was loving it. I mean, I loved not working a traditional nine to five. Um, I was always kind of falling in love with the sense of home and creating that for my clients. And I had a wonderful mentor that really took me under her wing 
And, you know, I was able to absorb a lot of that really essential real estate information at the foundation, right, right out the gate. And I was hungry, you know, I was ready to go. I had just graduated. Um, We started our family pretty quickly thereafter. Um, Fast forward to moving to Chicago for my husband to get his MBA and coming back to Detroit, um, got pregnant with our third child, and then real estate shut down during the pandemic. So at that time, I was like, you know, my my baby was not even a year old, my youngest. So I had, you know, three kids, four and under, um, and just trying to teach them from home, young preschoolers. And real estate wasn't happening. So I was looking for a way to still help my clients. This was a time that people were spending a lot of time at home. And I was already kind of consulting them on design decisions, right? So I was a buyer's agent trying to have people lean into my expertise for how can you transform a space to make it reflective of you? And my sellers trying to tell them return on investment with how to update their kitchen to prepare it to sell. So I was already kind of doing that. And I got approached by one person that said, I just love what you're posting about your own home. Will you make my home like that? And that was the RW project, my OG, my original clients that put full trust in me. Um, At a very, very small hourly rate at the time, I was like, yes, take a chance on me, please. Like this doesn't even, it's not even about the money. Just take a chance on me. And they did. And then that kind of snowballed into another friend and another client. And um, yeah, so it started in 2020. We're not even three years old yet. Um, and I have four women working full time under me. Um, we have a graphic designer that works kind of alongside us as well. Um, I have a full team of contractors that work under me that I manage. So it's it's it. It's a it's a full fledged business. And I can't even believe that it's only been three years. Yeah, three so. years. So much can happen. Obviously, with your own family life, as you mentioned, you, you know, three kids. I think you said four and under. And then transitioning to pandemic life, having a newborn and a four-year-old and just – I mean, I can't even imagine that that being your life and then also starting this side hustle that, that eventually turned into a full-fledged business. So I just give you so much credit for like the path that you took because I think a lot of people actually took a step back during COVID, especially working moms. They kind yes. of just dipped out entirely and like never have come back. Um, and I totally sure. get why because childcare is crazy expensive and like if you didn't like your job anyway, it kind of makes sense. But there's a few people like you who took that as an opportunity to start their own business. Um, so when you were starting, did you even imagine that it would turn into what it is today with full teams and contractors underneath you? Right. I thought it would be more 50-50. So I thought I would do 50% real estate, 50% design. But you know, I should know better because I don't do anything 50%. Like I'm like 100% committed, more than that, committed into whatever I do. I want to do it right. I want to do it fully. I want to. I want it to be immersive. Um, so while I was at home doing the design and with the kids, um, it was the time to build the foundation for my business. My husband was home with me. Um, so he has a very strategic mindset, business mindset. So he helped a lot with forming my LLC, you know, getting QuickBooks off the ground, all of those fundamentals, um, that we needed to do. So I was legitimate from the beginning, which I think that really helped me. So there was no hesitation on like, is this a thing? Um, 
because it just became a company and it became my name. So I think like holding, you know, when you identify so closely to something, it's it's my heart and my soul and it's just an extension of who I am now. And I love it. I feel like I'm very passionate about what I do, but definitely sacrifices had to be made. I mean, looking back, I'm like, wow, how did, how did we do that during the pandemic when we had no childcare and like all of that was so crazy. Um, but it makes it much more appreciative now that I have full, full childcare. I'm able to really make the most of my days. I'm not running around to hockey practice and dance and soccer and football and all the things, right? I know. Well, yeah, you're in a a, you're. We were just talking before we started recording about how you're a few years ahead of me. So I look forward to like just the childhood years. We're in toddlerhood and infanthood as I as I currently record this. So um, I look forward to to those years. But I know that every stage has its own challenges. So I'm sure the schedules of you know, sports and extracurricular activities and just driving everyone after school to different places is, is a whole new challenge. So um, yes. I can only imagine what that's like. Um, but back to the design piece, I'd love to know who your inspiration is when you or where you draw inspiration. So you have um, a very unique style. I feel like it's also super aesthetic and also on brand and on trend for a lot of I would say millennial women probably mm-hmm. identify with a lot of your work, um, probably because we all grew up in the same time frame. So talk to me more about that. Like, where do you get your inspiration from when you're designing for your home and for your clients? Yeah, I mean, definitely the foundation of Megan Rose Interior started with my own home. And like I talked about before, I believe in the sense of home. And I believe your home should be a reflection of who you are as an individual. So when I walk into my bedroom at night, like I feel a sense of calm, like I created that, right? So like, what is the color palette? What is the furniture? Like, what is my bed like? What does the bathroom feel spot like? So I, that's kind of started the the look, kind of the light color palette and things like that. But I've definitely always been inspired by, you know, Joanna Gaines, Shay McGee, um, like, you know, Jean Stouffer, the women that have this classics, timeless style to them. But definitely, I try to really lean into functional beauty. So that's like my, I put that at the forefront of all of my design. So I don't think you have to sacrifice one for the other. And I've kind of tried to hold true to that. Like I'm a mom of three kids, I believe you can have a beautiful home, that's still functional for your everyday life that you don't have to sacrifice comfort. Um, So I love all of their style. I'm always drawing inspiration from that. but definitely trying to kind of create my own sense of style that is this more approachable beauty, approachable style. But I think right now there are certain things that are definitely on trend. And I think my clientele, like like women like you, um, we grew up in very traditional style homes. And I think we like a lot of those aspects. We like what that symbolizes, you know, a sense of home, a feeling of gathering, kind of a come as you are but we want it to be more like us. So that means like we're putting the eucalyptus in the vase. We're lighting the candle. The walls are a warm white. Like we have a jute runner rug. Like it's kind of a more casual feel and a modern approach to what we grew up in. Yeah, I can see that in a lot of the designs that you do. And it's not a bad thing. It's I feel like it's people can think um, if you replicate things for different clients, maybe that 
it's kind of like a cookie cutter process. But I do see the differences in the homes that you've helped design. Um, And I would love for the audience to learn more about what that process looks like because I think it's Mm -hmm. really easy from social media or a website or marketing to see an end result and think, oh, that's easy. She's pulling from this other client's home or from her own home inspiration. But really, I feel like it's very unique to the the client that you have. You kind of pull in different elements of who they are, their interests, their lifestyle. So kind of walk us through the the process of that. Um, How do you design spaces for unique clients? Yeah, so we always start with, um, you know, we have a welcome guide that kind of shares our process with the client, but also we do that to just make sure we're on the same page in terms of like investment, about the team, kind of the core components of the company. And then we set up a discovery call. So that's the first time that I talk to a client and just kind of get to know them what the project scope is um, to make sure that we're a good fit. And then I go to an initial consultation with the client. So at that point, you know, I'm in their home, I'm seeing their space, we're we're meeting face-to-face. I mean, I'm a people person, so connecting right then with the client is essential for me. If we're doing a kid's space and the kids aren't there when I'm at the initial consultation, I'll return to the home so I can get to know the child that I'm designing the space for, right? Like I'm doing a a Jack and Jill bathroom that's like for two fun, like right now it's a 10-year-old and seven-year-old boy, like they'll come into the studio and pick their tile. Uh, You know, it's with three options that I vetted, but they'll get to make those decisions. Um, And I'm a mom, I get that. But yeah, so after the initial consultation, we've talked about their wish list. We've talked about what they foresee in that space. And clients range in all shapes and sizes. Same with projects as far as if they think they know exactly what they want or if it's carte blanche and they're like, we want you to kind of put this all together. So after we gather all of that information from the client perspective, then we get to work building our design foundation. So I always start with measurements, floor plan, like building, you know, the parameters of the home, doing renderings and a concept. So that comes together as like a design presentation. The studio, the clients come into studio and it's this really beautiful experience where we have their design presentation pulled up. We have the candles lit in the summer. The doors are open. Carriage doors are open to the studio and we reveal the design space to them for the first time. So they will get a bird's eye view of their floor plan and kind of see how we've laid out the space. If we've moved walls, how we're space planning, then they'll see an elevation view of how it looks with the marble backsplash and the dove gray cabinetry and, you know, all the different elevations. And then they'll see a concept photo that's like where we drew that inspiration from. So that kind of paints the picture for them. And then from there, a client will say, we would like to move forward with your team executing this vision. Now, some clients do that and some clients, you know, feel like what we try to sell too is we provide this package to you. So you're equipped then to execute it if you would like to, to hire your own contractor, you know, to manage your own project, to source your own furniture. But a lot of clients then are like, we would like you to carry this out. So then we go kind of in that estimate phase and the project timeline sourcing, all of that. And then we break for construction. So the construction is when like you would think things are very messy, but actually we've developed a project timeline at that point. So everything has been ordered. Everything's in the wings as far as windows and cabinetry. Cabinet hardware has all been inspected. Lighting is ready to go. 
so that the construction phase is just that. It consists of the rough construction, weekly site visits, boots on the ground, installations, but we're there to kind of navigate the client through that whole process. They don't deal with the contractors. We do. They work for us. They meet our standards. Um, so the, the range of those projects depends on what the scope of the project is. Um, it can go from a six-week renovation all the way to a six-month to new construction that's a year long. And then we do a decor installation at the very end of the project. That's you know where the bud vase is right there, the candle is lit, the picture frame is just placed, and that's when we take our portfolio photos. So a lot happens behind the scenes leading up to that moment. Yeah, I feel like you just gave a behind the scenes look of like what you would see on HGTV, but you don't actually see it. Like I think they kind of gloss over some of these phases of, you know, sure. pick it, picking out tile or picking out floors, but they're not showing all of the things that you mentioned, like even just the as something as simple as like measuring out the room, like making sure your furniture will fit in the room. So you have to design mm-hmm. the space with the cabinets and the furniture and all the little details in mind when you go into it because otherwise like nothing is going to fit correctly because it's it's a room. It, like you can't change the shape of a room unless you demo some walls and maybe make it bigger. But I would assume probably a lot of people, at least in this e- economy, with inflation as high as it is and you know cost of living going up, I would imagine a lot of people are trying to like make do with what they have. Do you find that that sure. is kind of the case lately, or is it is it really just maybe that's just an assumption that I have based on you know following the news? No, I mean that we definitely are seeing a lot of that. Um, we'll we'll see clients that are ready to do like a full renovation, but also clients that um, you know are saying like I don't have this unlimited budget to do everything I want to do. So they'll just be like, "What do you really recommend?" Um, and most of the times, you know, the bones of the home are right there. So always like lighting and paint go a very long way. So. Before you even put new furniture in a space, you know, make sure the, the the room is well lit and the paint palette is like a reflective calming color for you. So if you can do floors and you can get there, great. But oftentimes people are surprised that it's not the window treatments, it's not the furniture, it's not the decor. Like that's not how you are building the feeling in a room. It's a lot from how it is lit and the paint. And that's that can be something that you don't have to spend a lot on, right? Like you can go up to Home Depot and get some paint. You could go to Sherwin-Williams, get some paint, put some colors on the wall, see how it feels when you have north-facing light and south-facing light and, you know, keep walking past it and then get some overhead light and some aesthetic lighting. And that will instantly elevate the space. And aesthetic lighting, I'm familiar with it just because I love design stuff, even though I'm not a designer. I'm more of a fan. Um, what is that for the for the audience members that aren't familiar? Yeah. So everything from like a chandelier to a sconce to anything that I switch it on a separate switch. So when I walk into a room, like right now I have overhead lighting that is going to light up the room. The aesthetic lighting, a lot of times if it's a chandelier or something like that, will still light up the room, but it's more about setting the mood, setting the aesthetic. So sometimes that's on a different temperature, always on a dimmer. Um, For picture sconces, you're trying to um, highlight a piece of art, highlight a mirror, highlight an entryway. And then a chandelier is trying to draw your eye to something in the space or to make a splash. Um, 
then sconces, different sconces will do above windows, we'll do them flanking a mirror or pendants above a mirror in a powder room. And it just creates this like ambiance um, with lighting. I'm very, very passionate about lighting. It's one of my favorite things to source. I love that. We're looking for a new lighting fixture for our, our dining room. Um, we just bought our first house house. We had a condo in Chicago, but we painted – we like redid that in three years. We painted the whole thing. Um, we hated all the colors. We changed all the lighting fixtures just like you said. And so we kind of did that more DIY because we knew our return on investment wasn't going to be as high because we weren't going to be there as long. But this house, we hope to be here a little bit longer. So we hired professional painters actually and picked out all the colors – did all that. And I swear on my life, that has made the biggest difference in this house. Like when we bought it, I had a vision of, sure, I know, you know, what I want it to look like with furniture one day once we get there. But walking in moving day and just being like, I don't hate this yellow wall (laughs) and I can't live with it in my bathroom. Just having that feeling changed my whole perception of the space. And we've updated many, many different lighting fixtures, not all, but I feel like I'm on the right track now that I've talked to you, you because are. we are slowly adding more and more furniture, but we've only been here since – we're recording this in March. We've been here since dis, or like late December, so only a few months, but I'm going you to continue. You make great progress. Yes, good progress, but I'm going to continue to look to, to you for design inspiration because I, I really do love the way that you create a space and the layered lighting is just, I feel like, such a fun – and also not super expensive way to add such like texture to a space that most people don't think about. They just think about like you said, the overhead light, which is kind of overbearing. And especially if there is no dimmer switch, then you just kind of have a light on or you have a light off and then there's Mm no mood like you said. Um, Yeah. We love to create electrical plans. That is something that we do in our process, you know, laying out the plans and how, how far lighting should be spaced apart scale-wise for fixtures. That's really important when you're sourcing lighting to think about that. And then dimmers, switch switch locations. You know, we always like to walk the house and think about from a convenience standpoint. Like I like to do um, an automatic sensor. I like to do one in garages. I like to do them in laundry rooms because I think about as a mom or even as a dad, like your arms are full with laundry. I like to step into my laundry room. The lights go automatically on mornings that I'm leaving really early. I love that the lights go on automatically in my garage. I feel like that's a nice safety component. So things like that, like that you don't really think about big picture for lighting that really makes a big difference in a space. I never would have thought about the laundry room. Like that's brilliant because I'm always walking into a dark laundry room in the morning when I'm trying to like, you know, feed my dog or like, you know, we're we're both early birds. We're waking up. We're working out before our kids are up. Um, so that is such a good tip. I feel like we should do that in this house. Um, yes, sensor of, switch. Yes, I'm. That's brilliant. I don't know why I didn't think of that before, but that's because you're the expert. I am not. I'm learning so much from you. I want to continue learning. Um, tell me a little bit about some design principles that you follow that maybe the audience can take and implement in their own home. So, for example, I have heard so much about the rule of three in design, and then when I try okay. to do it in my own home, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I am not doing this correctly. Um, So can you help us better understand some of your favorite design principles and maybe talk about that design or rule of three principle just so that people can, you know, leave feeling empowered to maybe take a little action from this interview? 
Yeah, sure. So designers love threes and we also just like love odd numbers, five, sevens. I really, I really lean on the threes a lot. Um, and I think the foundation of that for me was the working triangle in a kitchen. So that's the working triangle from the stove to the sink to the refrigerator and making sure that all of those areas that you can use from a very functional perspective, you know, ease of use um, with that working triangle. So when we're doing a kitchen design, we always are making sure that that all three of those points of the triangle are very accessible. So that's definitely where the threes come in. And then when it comes to like even scale with um, decorating, I like elements of threes and normally always that means um, like an organic element, a plant element. That's always one of my big fundamental things that I include in that. And then a warm element, like a candle and then a functional element or something that's like very reflective for the client. So if we're doing a powder room that has a small vanity, like a three foot vanity, I just had this conversation with the client today. My functional item would be the soap. You need soap there, right? My organic item would be something natural, like a snake plant or a pathos plant, something that is giving texture, and then a beautiful sensory experience, warm experience with a candle. So that would be my threes when I'm decorating. And that does really well um, on small tablescapes, on little corner nooks. But ultimately, then you end up being, you know, something's not crowded, it feels more balanced. Um, that's another one of my big principles. I love to, I love symmetry because your brain loves symmetry. So I like to always kind of create that in a kitchen if I can with having symmetry flanking a hood, um, the cabinets to match that way, making your brain feel balanced. Um, I love symmetry, but I also love juxtaposition. And what I mean by that is when I have a very modern element, I like a traditional element with it. Like I think that when you're in a traditional home and you lean into a couple more modern touches, it feels curated. Um, and the same with, you know, if we are doing a new addition on an older home, we want to honor the traditional elements of the home while still elevating it. So we create that juxtaposition by maybe with the new modern elements, adding something that feels found, that feels curated, like a very cool, I brought in corbels, like antique corbels into my home. Even though it was freshly painted white, I wanted that sense of kind of found and established. So that's kind of some that, that I lean into with my design. I love the idea of taking something like, like you said, a freshly painted house, even if it's not a new build, it you do need that feeling of like it's so that it's not so sterile. Like you need something that has been worn almost like an antique, but it doesn't always have to be an antique. There's plenty of things at different home decor stores that look probably similar to what you found and that are more, I would say, accessible for like the average listener who is trying to just add more style to their home, but they like don't know where to begin. And I feel like I'm talking to mm -hmm. myself because I have a lot of ideas, but it's like <laughs> I am by no means a professional. So um, I, I feel like it's good to have some of these design principles in mind so that when people are trying to like try things out or go shopping, just keeping that in mind, like you mentioned, something that's like a, a greenery, a plant, or in a candle, and then you said something functional. That is so good for people to just try out in their own homes because I bet you they all already have these things. So they can just test it out, see what works. And, you know, I'm sure they're not going to probably do it as perfectly as you, 
but at least we can all try, right? I mean, that's the goal is just empowering people with information. And then, of course, encouraging people in the Metro Detroit area to reach out to you if they like what they see. And you're located in downtown Northville, which is super cute. And I'm obsessed with the fact that you have like a a brick and mortar. I feel like that makes it so much more real for your clients. Yes. It's kind of, it was interesting. So my family's owned our law firm. Okay. So I'm 32. So they purchased it in 1991, right downtown Northville on the corner of Maine and Griswold. So they have owned that building forever. And um, we have an old carriage house right behind, right behind their law firm. Um, and this law firm now, both my brother and my sister are partners there. And then both my parents work there. And the carriage house, we wanted to convert during the pandemic because we needed a flex space. We needed an area that they could do court via Zoom, all their mediations, all of their hearings via Zoom. So the main level of our studio is called the flex space. And it's just that we converted the carriage doors so they open up fully. So in the summer, you know, you're walking downtown and our doors are open on summer Fridays. You know, we'll have champagne in the studio for our clients. And it's really, it's a great space and it's very versatile. So it's totally a flex space. And then upstairs is the original attic. We reworked the staircase and that's our studio. So our studio houses all of our selections, all of our tile samples, cabinetry, paint, everything that, you know, when a client comes into the studio, they need to get their hands on. Our clients are so visual. So we lay all of that out. Um, And then I have a warehouse space that houses all of like my inventory, my furniture, my lighting, you know, large quantities of tile, large quantities of base trim, cabinetry, everything like that. So Wow. Yeah, the spaces help a lot, but I love being downtown Northville. That's that's where I grew up, so my heart is definitely there. That's so cool. I feel like in the world of where everything is like virtual, it's really nice to have a space, especially when you're designing something as, you know, intimate as like a a, a space in your home or an entire house or a new construction. You like need to, like you said you need to feel the tile, you need to see all the things. So, yes. instead of just going to I don't know, like Home Depot and looking at paint selections, they can come to your studio and look at everything all laid out and it's all curated because you've already selected it. So they don't even have to yes, do Yes, no bad decisions. Yeah, no right. bad decisions, 100%. <laughs> um, so yes. you've designed and decorated so many spaces by now. Um, what are some of your favorite rooms to decorate for a client? Yes. So I I mean, I obviously love doing a kitchen space because it's the heart of a home. Um, you know, when I'm in there, there's three kids running around my island. And that's why I know 36 inches is not enough clearance from countertop to countertop, things like that. I love the, to add functionality in a kitchen. Um, I think that's my most overused word, functional. But I love doing... Um, you know, being very intentional about my cabinet designs and kitchens. And then I also love doing primary suites because I do believe that parents need a retreat. They need um, a sense of calm after a crazy day. So I love creating that, um, that feeling, that sense of romance, sense of calm, that oasis. So we do kind of call those our retreats. So I would say those are my two favorite rooms. Um, kids' spaces are very fun, though, too. I love to kind of make them very unique for for the kids and to kind of have them involved in the process to make it feel like it's it's a safe haven for them as well. That's really important. I think um, you mentioned about the primary suite kind of being just like this 
oasis for parents um, or or just like a couple who's trying to escape the day. Sure. Um, I feel like it just changes your mood when you don't like your bedroom because you sleep there. I mean, you might not spend a ton of time there, especially if you work outside of the home. Um, but it's like at the end of the day, you just want to crawl into a bed that feels good, that is in a nicely decorated space, that has good lighting. I get I, – I feel that when I get into my own bed, thankfully. But there have been moments in my life where I've been living in like a studio apartment where my bed is right right next to my kitchen in like a big city and it's just – that just never felt good. So right. I, I don't know – I don't know if you've done any um, like apartments or condos or tiny spaces, but I feel like we have some listeners who are a little bit younger. So do you have any design tips? And this is kind of a curveball for people who are living in a smaller space for how they can create that kind of homey feeling, but like everything is kind of on top of each other. Yeah. I mean, I would – I would make sure that you definitely feel grounded in where you're sleeping. Um, And I think a lot of that does lean into feng shui. Like you want to be able to see the door from where you're laying down. You don't want to have your back to the door. Um, I also like that for offices as well. As you could see how my children just came into this this call a second ago. Um, I think it's like important to to make sure you are in a space that you feel grounded as an individual. So start with the layout, um, getting your bed situated, like the spaces where you spend your most time, um, like your desk, an area, you know, a place of power, and then a place where you sleep, like start with those areas. And then different ways you can ground those spaces, like with an oversized rug um, to kind of define the space that way definitely with flooring and with rugs you can it's a great way to define a space and even doing um art that you feel like really brings you joy or brings you a sense of calm or brings you a feeling of power um something like that something that's going to so you don't need a lot of things then right you have a nice rug you have your your furniture space planned in a way that feels balanced. And then you have something on the walls that's going to, that you'll just draw a sense of emotion from. So I think try to create it with things like that instead of, you know, going to a place like HomeGoods or TJ Maxx and just like buying things that you see, just start with what you have and then, you know, go from there. This is I'm like nodding my head. This is making me feel so much better because I've been putting off so many different like shopping trips or like ordering things online because I'm like, let's just live in it and try, you know, moving this rug to this room. We don't want this rug in that room, but let's check out the size. Let's check out the texture. Like maybe it's going to look better in the laundry room as opposed to the office. Um, So I think you hit the nail on the head there with just trying things out with what you have and then just intentionally buying because we live in such a society where it's like impulse buy, impulse buy, Instagram ad. And it's so easy to do that, but you waste so much time and there's so much – I love home goods, don't get me wrong, but there's so much crap too that like you'll just buy because you're in the mood too and then you have nowhere to put it in your house and then your house looks cluttered and then it's just like a mess. So I feel like that's a rabbit hole. (laughs) that we could go down. Um, But I want to talk more about like things that are going well in 2023 in in terms of interior design. So trends that you're loving and then maybe some trends. Not this – I'm not here to like hate on trends because everyone's design interest is very different. 
So my my goal is to focus on trends that are, you know, hot and on the rise and you're seeing more of and then trends that you're just seeing less of. So not necessarily bad things, but just not as popular as they were like in the past few years. Yeah. So I think there we're definitely seeing like the away with gray a little bit, you know, so less of the cold, cooler tones. Um and I mean, I think that that's been happening, but I think people are leaning more into the warm and the earth tones. So it's funny because our parents are like, really, now you guys like the beiges? Now you like, you know, the vanillas and the creams and the warm tones. But, you know, we don't want spaces to feel cold and sterile. You want it to feel warm. Um, so I definitely think like a warm white, like is definitely here to stay for a while. I think picking very versatile paint colors is here to stay. Um, we're still doing a lot of white kitchens. We would love to do a black kitchen. It's so funny because someone will be like, I just love that one kitchen. We're like, we know, but maybe try, you know, we're just kind of itching to do something with a splash. Like we're getting ready to do like a deep green kitchen. And we are so excited about that. We're doing like um, a wire brush dove gray with like a very cool navy island. Um, Navy's definitely on trend right now. Navy's in the greens. Um, something I'm loving, I'm loving like black windows in and out. I'm really liking an exchange of black and white. So say you have black windows and you have white casing um, or black interior doors and white casing around it, you know, white trim around it. So really loving that kind of timeless, very classic black and white feel. And the checkerboard floors are for sure coming up right now with that black and white feel again. So I think our generation is really loving that. Um, I think like people are, since the pandemic, are considering like a trend what is making spaces more versatile, more transitional. So it used to be like, People will call us for a lower level and it's like, we want a bar for sure. And we want a workout room and we want a playroom. Now it's like, how can we make this an entertaining oasis while still making it feel like a gathering space? Our kids are young now, but they're going to be, you know, getting older. How can we make this space kind of age with us? I think um, people are recognizing that, you know, we're spending a lot of time at home still, even though people are leading busy lifestyles. So I'm seeing a lot of this versatility and this kind of transitional sense in homes that I'm really loving. So those are some of like my favorite and what I'm seeing. I think people are getting away from the modern farmhouse um, and getting, you know, we're seeing when we go down to High Point Market, uh, we go twice a year in the spring and in October. And furniture is definitely getting more contemporary, super clean furniture lines, but still curved back sofas and things like that, which is cool. It's exciting to see. Um, but I think where we live in Michigan, um, we see a lot more traditional homes. So we're trying to kind of marry the two while still respect the traditional and the contemporary element. And I think people are being more intentional about what they're bringing into our homes, Um I don't know if it's like seeing our parents kind of have to like get through our grandparents things or feeling like, oh gosh, our parents have so much stuff in their base. Like we don't want to be those people that are just attached to things. And I say this and my storage room is full of toys right now that I need to donate. So I'm saying that like knowing that that's a project I need to do, but um, 
that and kind of being more intentional about what we put in our homes and things that are reflective of the places we traveled or the experiences that we had or kind of tell a story. Um, at least my clients are kind of, we're leaning into them in the sense of, you know, what, what makes you happy? How do you want to feel in this space? So I think people are being more particular about what they bring in. Yeah. It's nice to see. 100%. I think, yeah, we're like the generation who like hates clutter for just, yes. I hate, I don't want clutter for the sake of clutter. Like if it's going to be cluttery, at least be organized and have a purpose, <laughs> but don't yes. just buy a bunch of stuff and like never get rid of it. Um, aside from kids' toys, because I do not blame you for keeping them because they pile up and then it just takes a lot to like get them everything in the car and the truck or whatever you have and like get it to mm-hmm. a donation center, or a, you know, a battered women's and children's shelter or Salvation Army. So um, I don't blame you whatsoever. Um, speaking of kids though, I know your kids have been popping in and out of this interview and I love that. I think that's just like the, the most authentic um, representation of motherhood as a working mom in 2023. So can you talk to us just a little bit about how you find – I don't want to say balance because I don't really think it exists. I feel like harmony is more of a better word um, in in finding that harmony, right, between working and being like the best wife, mother, daughter, friend, sister that you can be in life. Like how do you find that? Yeah. I mean it's – it's super challenging. Um, I feel like I'm just when I get my footing, I feel like a new surprise comes along the way, along the way, or a new challenge that we have to face. But I think that's ultimately how we get stronger. Um, so I do feel like I've held on tight since before I was a mom, even in young motherhood, even to now, um, of exercising regularly. That's really been a huge part of my life. And I'm like you, an early riser. So I start my day um, taking care of my body, just kind of meeting my own personal needs, like having that drive to the the bar studio or getting on the Peloton early in the morning. And that sets the tone for the day, for sure. Um, And instantly taking care of myself, because if I don't, you know, think about it, you're being woke up by instantly, you know, someone needing you. Um, It's hard to give from an empty cup, right? Like I was trying to, so I'm starting my day filling my cup with something that I enjoy. You know, working out is definitely something that I enjoy doing. It's a huge part of why I feel great about myself. And um, so that's that's a big thing. Um, with the kids, it's it's a lot to manage. I mean, I, I think we're both pretty organized and I think that helps certainly. Um, but we both have a lot of uh, business goals, personal goals that we're continuing to strive for. But I'm confident that, you know, instilling that in our children, modeling that for our children um, is is invaluable. I feel like my parents instilled in me this entrepreneurial spirit. They started their law firm when they were young. Um, so I my hope is that my kids see, not that it's just like uh, the grind and the grit and things like that. I hope that they're, they're tenacious in spirit, but also that like the passion that drives you every day. So I think that that propel keeps propelling me forward on those hard days when I'm like, I'm so tired. I love what I do every day. And I think like your kids see that they see that passion. My kids are incredible. They're, um, I, I don't know how I got so lucky with them. So that has helped, helped me tremendously. Um, they're loving, they're kind, they, um, are unpredictable and funny. And I just love being with them. And I feel like in their really small years, 
I spent a lot more time home, um, but I think that the time that I am with them, we're very intentional about. So I think it doesn't need to be, you know, either you're a stay-at-home mom, I think that's wonderful, or you go to work every day. I think it's just being really um, diligent about the time that you do have making sure that those memories and that those moments, like tucking the kids in for bed every night, like I feel privileged that I get to take my kids to school every day. And then I get to be the last person they see when they close their eyes at night. Like that's like we talked about before, like that's like a life well lived. Like I get to do that every day. Um, So it's a, it's a lot to manage. I love your word harmony. I think that's really, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. They're, they, they coexist, right? And they also – so much of work blends into family and family blends into work. Like if your kids are sick, you're not at you're not at the studio that day maybe. Or if your kids have off from school and you don't have childcare because it's like a, a holiday that you don't – you know, you don't have off as an entrepreneur. Maybe you're taking your kids to the studio. So I feel like sure. it's just allowing ourselves to be moms that work. As opposed to, I guess I before I said working mom, but really I like identifying at least at work. I'm like, I'm a mom who works and I have like both sides of me, but I'm a mom first. So if my kids need me, like you will find me offline. Like I will take care of my kids. I will take care of my business that I need to take care of at work um, when I can, but you just can't redo parenthood. And I feel like you've so beautifully illustrated just how important it is to be intentional with your kids when you're with them because whether you're with them for eight hours a day or three hours a day when they're in school or they have like, you know, you're busy with work, not being on your phone the whole time, not being distracted, um, really listening to them. Like listening is so different than just hearing what someone has to say. Like listening takes just more of an intentional heart and being reflective back to them, okay, I heard you, and if I think I heard you correctly and I listened, this is what you meant to tell me. So I think like our kids need that, right? And I, it's mm-hmm. just so missing from a lot of people that I have seen in motherhood um, just kind of like constantly on their phones, constantly like not paying attention to their kids. And um, I don't know. I'm so passionate about it. So I'm glad that you kind of have yeah. that same mindset there's, of just being there's intentional. There's such different seasons like of your life too, right? And different seasons for our kids' lives too. Um, like I said, right now we're in this like crazy where the kids have activities every day. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know if they'll remember me like being there for practice or not, or, you know, things like that. And the shuffle and the school drop-offs and pickups. And um, I mean, we definitely like have help and that's, that's been crucial for us. Um, But I think like giving yourself that grace um, and knowing that like this is your superpower. So I employ a team of young moms because they are like my secret weapon, the ability to multitask, to manage time, to be creative, to set priorities, like to prioritize your day, to manage your time. I mean, all of these skills that we have developed as mothers, I did not really become who I was until I became a mom. Like I am more sure of who I am now and who my identity is. Like I was like, it, it didn't cripple me from doing anything. It empowered me to do everything. Why not start a business? Why not go for all of these things? Because I have my kids and I have my husband, they have my back no matter what. So what if I fail? Like maybe I'll be really good at this. Maybe I'll be really bad at it. But at the end of the day, after 
a hard presentation or a late night. I mean, I have a lot of lots of late nights, but I know that like my kids are going to be there no matter what. Like my family is the most important thing. And that's, you know, why I do this every day. So um, I, I hope that that inspires them to to do something great as well. I hope that. I'm sure it will. And that kind of dovetails perfectly into how I end every single interview with talking about um, your personal philosophy. So I'm so excited to hear what your answer is to this question. Um, Megan, what does living a life well-lived mean to you? So I think that living a life well-lived isn't about being everything to everyone. It's about being who you want to be. Um, you know, for me, that's waking up next to the person I love every day, you know, my day spent that way and being the last person my kids see before they fall asleep. Um, it's like fueling every single one of my days with passion and ambition and grit. Um, so I think it's, it's about those, those days spent, um, with the people you love doing what you love. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect at everything, um, that you're the best at everything. Um, but I think it's ultimately being who you want to be. Yeah. And so many people, I think myself included, I think we often find ourselves in situations where maybe we fall short of that sometimes or, you know, we're struggling that with certain seasons, certainly in motherhood. So just the reminder of just to be like who you want to be is really the only goal we probably should have because if we're trying to be someone else and we're trying to compare our lives to someone else on social media or in our friend group, um, it's just like a, a recipe for disaster. So I feel like a lot of gratitude was rooted in your answer. And I'm not surprised based on all of your answers to all of my questions throughout this interview uh-huh. that that was, your, that was your response. And I've just loved connecting with you and learning from you. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about design stuff. I will not pick your brain. Also, that's probably something that you should charge me for. So maybe we'll <laughs> no. talk after this. No. So um, <laughs> speaking of though, where can people find you if they want to connect, follow your social media, and also maybe inquire about some of your design practices? Sure. So um, personally on Instagram, my handle is the Megan Rose. So on the personal side, you'll see everything from my day to day, right? Like honey bake hockey and dance competition to early barcode classes and maybe a construction project. Megan Rose Interiors is the legitimate business site where you'll see all of our cool reels behind the scenes, um, revealing some of our new projects. And um, themeganrose.com is our website. We're doing like a rebranding right now, but it isn't under construction. I think you can see our portfolio there. You can learn about our process, what type of projects we take on, and you can contact us there. We have a contact form there, but you can also, you know, message us on any of the social media platforms as well. Um, Yeah. And I'm sure you'll love seeing all the behind the scenes, but there's some beautiful end project photos there as well. So all the beauty is shown. I love both Instagram pages, by the way, because it, it is a cool – it's cool to see like the the face behind the brand, but then also sure. the legitimate brand that like this isn't just, you know, a hobby for you. This is a job. You employ, like I said, multiple people. Like I'm truly blown away that it – I've watched the evolution. I think that's why I'm so invested because I saw it from like when you were just posting occasionally and then you're like, wait, this is – this is the launch of my business and I was I just – I'm so glad that it's going so well. I have no doubt that you're 
going to continue to do amazing things in the design the design space. And I'm just excited to see more of your work around Metro Detroit. Thank and you. who knows, maybe you'll expand. Um, like I have so many big visions for your business. <laughs> maybe that's Thank just me because I'm such a fan. No, I do I'm too. Very excited. I do too. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Kayla underscore underscore Brandon. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.